You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome in to another episode of Grinding True Crime Podcast. First episode of 2023 with your three favorite hosts, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And today, kicking off 2023, the narrator will be Todd Fox. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get into uh, today's podcast, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast. And there you can find our page, comment on our page, like our page. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible, as well as YouTube, where you can see a video content of the recording that we've uh, recorded prior to. And there you can subscribe to our YouTube page. And that way you can help us boost that up as well. If you want to just listen to us, you can continue to listen to us on your podcast stream. Just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. Also, for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Oh, one more thing. If you would like to leave a, a donation to uh, the Grinding True Crimes, you can do so by leaving it at uh, Cash App. Just type in dollar sign Grinding True Crimes. And also at PayPal, you can donate by going at Grinding True Crimes. And just to let you guys know, the donations that you guys leave are not for our personal pockets. We all have our own career. We all have our own jobs. And those donations really helps us to better our equipment and better our studio. And it also helps us to uh, buy the stuff that we need to create the merchandise and create all the things that helps us uh, distribute to you guys. So if you do want to leave a, a donation to us, please just know that it ain't going to our pockets. It's going to uh, to better our craft and to make, make sure that we do things <clears throat> excuse me, right, so that we can continue to keep recording. So if you like to leave a donation, that's how you do it. And also, please leave a five-star liking to our page. Anything Sorry. else y'all want to listen? No, I think you covered it all right there. Thank you so much. Anything else? No. All right. <laughs> so let's kick it off with Todd Fox breaking down his story. Todd, you have the floor. Tell us what you got. I got a twisted case tonight, as uh, most of them are. This was filled with twists, and uh, it also is just filled with a lot of uh, gruesome stuff, too. So, Is it filled with Johnsons as well? There's plenty of Johnsons. And just an FYI to everybody out there, I usually like to do my voices along with the show. It's going to be very difficult. I'm still recovering. My throat is still not clear. Um, so I, if I say Cleveland at any time, that's your... Uh, that's your cue, Matt, is I'm going to have him do the, uh, the redneck policeman. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm struggling tonight. I, I don't know how much I can, I can do as far as if I stretch my voice anymore, I'm going to be sounding like puberty Todd and nobody wants to hear that. So, well, That's I'll try be my Southern. best. <laughs> I'll try my best to do your Todd voice. Todd. 
That'll work. That'll work right there. Because we need a down home Southern accent, and uh, I think Cleveland fits the bill for this one. Um, Sounds like a good idea. Nice. Well, let's get started, shall we? Uh, we're going to be working out of uh, the South Carolina region of the United Ooh. States. Yeah. So we're going to be in the Carolinas and uh, working up and down that East Coast. I got my families out there. I got somebody out there. There you go. Well, that came off wrong. I don't got somebody out yeah, there. About to say, Does Matt know about this, that? somebody? Yeah, I was going to say, you got somebody out there? Who, who, who is this? Well, this story got really interesting, really fast. Very interesting. Let's get started, <laughs> Todd, before I go off. No, yeah. not like that. It's yeah. a friend. Okay. Whoa. Whatever you say, whatever you say. Um, <laughs> let's say hold on. No, this is a female, okay? You guys know me. It's not a somebody of mine. Well, you sit out here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh dear, what I do? Let's get started. <laughs> Let's go. All right, uh, so we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about uh, someone tonight that is not too familiar in the true crime family or in the genre like of serial killers that you could just like you know pull from from uh, from your mind right away. Unless you're like hardcore, you may have heard of this guy. Um, his name is Pee Wee Gaskin. I don't know if you guys heard of him. <laughs> no. I've not heard of Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, not Pee Wee Herman. And, and again, I could not. I could probably do his his voice, but my my voice is not high pitched enough to do his, you know, some of his laughs from the show Pee Wee Herman. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this story is going to frustrate you because the way he slipped through the cracks. Um, he's not the smartest guy in the in the, you know, <clears throat> not the sharpest tool in the shed. Not the smartest guy in the room. Um, but he used the best of his abilities, uh, socially, um, social abilities as far as talking with people and, uh, just his way of life and how he did things and how he came off to people to get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff. So let's get to the beginning. Uh, his name is originally Donald Henry Gaskins, um, or Donald Henry Parrott, actually. Um, he was born in Florence County, South Carolina, to Eula Parrott, which was his mom. And uh, he was the last of a string of illegitimate children that she had. Mm. So uh, Gaskins was small for his age and immediately gained the nickname Peewee um, as a young ad- uh, adult uh, because he just was naturally short. Um, the tallest he grow- grew to was five foot four. So oh, man. he was a short guy. Um, so his, like I said, his name was uh, originally Donald Henry Parrott, um, but he got Peewee and it just stuck, you know, it stuck. Um, he, this is one of the stories again, where I mentioned it's sort of like Samuel Jackson from Jurassic Park one, hold on to your butts because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to, 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 to take in right here. Um, so born March 13th, 1933, like I said, in Florence County, uh, South Carolina, Pee Wee was five of six. He was not the last. I'm sorry. He was five of six kids. So he was second to last. Um, his mother and grandmother raised him as uh, as the men were never anywhere in his uh, as he never really had a father figure. If he did, it was like a fly by night type thing. It, let's just say his mom didn't keep relationships longer than two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she played the field, and she had people come to their farm because they lived on a tobacco farm. And um, so the men would stay there, work out, and then she'd work them out, and then they'd leave. 
So, I like what you did there. Yeah, right. Um, so they, they did their thing. They were the, your typical down south type of family, um, with the exception of like a real man to run the farm. So the grandma and the mother were mainly running the farm unless they had male help. Uh, the kids were, were too young at the time. And uh, when Pee Wee was just one year old, and this is how great they watched their kids, um, when she, when he the mother – uh, allowed Pee-wee to be uh, alone by himself uh, to where he can reach a bottle of kerosene. Oh, man. And he drank a little bit of the kerosene. Oh, man. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, kerosene is highly toxic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Very flammable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he drank that, and for, you know, I, ha- I hate to say it this way, um, but on one hand, if you go back when he was one year old, you're like, oh, well, thank God the little boys, you know, he survived that and he didn't have, you know, long lasting things wrong with him, you know, but then when you find out what he did later as an adult, you're like, God damn it. Why didn't the kid just drink the whole bottle? You know, <laughs> it sounds bad, but you know, Hey, he could have saved some people by not drink or by, by not, uh, just drinking a little bit. He should have just chugged it. Um, well, from the sound of that. He must have done some gruesome things. Oh, and we'll get to it. And and it's going to sicken you. So, again, view, a listener discretion, it is advised, man. I mean, um, he, um, the kerosene only did slight damage. It made him sick. It gave him some stomach issues for the first 13 or so years of his life. Changed his voice a little bit. Some people thought that the kerosene, <sighs> Cleveland, uh, what would what would a Southerner say about the kerosene ruining his voice? What would he say? Yeah, what would we say? Uh, he would say, uh, well, I guess that's what happens when you drink the kerosene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work out too good. We, we, we just might go without the action. I don't know. <laughs> we we got to work on your, uh, what's that called, your improv? <laughs> well, See, that tastes good. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> so <laughs> he would, he would, um, with, with with the kerosene picture out of the way, he and him being short, he had to use the power of manipulation. He started to study people, and he started to see what they would use to, you know, whatever made them happy. He would try to provide for them, however he could use a way to have his mom or his grandma spoil him to in his favor. He used whatever he could. So he started finding mental ways to deal with people and this would, uh, and persuade people to do things, uh, use the father figures that would come around or the supposed father figures that would come around to visit his mom. He would use them too, to get some stuff that he wanted. So he was always trying to get himself spoiled. His mom started to spoil him. And so he was learning these, these traits that aren't good, but are going to be useful to him in a selfish way later on. Um, so That's what so it's not. And so we go over this every freaking serial killer type uh, podcast. What is one of the things that they start with immediately as a, as a young child doing as one of the main traits as far as a future possible serial killer? Well, the first thing they would do, they just start killing them cats. All right. Gabby. I. It's usually the animal abuse, you know, or something sexual happened or, you know, a lot, mainly the common one is like you got into an accident and you had head trauma. Yeah, usually it's the head trauma, but you guys are right with the animals, though. <clears throat> so 
he starts pulling, you know, because in the area they have a lot of frogs. He's in the South Carolina area where it's farming area, but they have some swamps. And swamps, just remember, are going to be a huge part of this dude's life going forward. Up and down the East Coast, whether it's South Carolina, whether it's Georgia, where it's uh, not Georgia, um, Florida. There's a lot of swampy areas on that East Coast, and he takes advantage of a lot of that stuff. So um, he starts pulling one leg off at a time on frogs to see how they Oh. He starts uh, beating uh, birds with a hammer once he catches them. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then um, he... So much for making others happy, huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, these aren't their animals, so he's just picking random animals and... He's um, using the frustration of being bullied at school to take it out on the on the animals. So he's he's wow. picked on a lot because he's Pee-wee. You know, everyone's like making fun of him, like, ha-ha, Pee-wee. And, um, you know, you can't control the narrative at school, so you take it out on the freaking animals. And they're easy targets. And anything that he can get his hands on, cats, rats, whatever, he's doing it, dude. He's, he's killing them and torturing them as much as he possibly can. Um, so remember, Pee Wee's not a big kid at all. Um, now he's well at this. He his uh, his total height as an adult's five four, but he's probably somewhere around four feet something, barely four feet. Dang, he's rather short at this time. I'm five three, so you're gonna tell me he's only an inch taller than me when he Mm -hmm. grows up. Yep, as a four. Yeah, we're talking about a grown man. Mm Hmm. That's tiny. That's little Wayne. That's kind of how my ex-boyfriend was. Well, <laughs> Sorry, he's, he's that's short. Probably why he's an ex. <laughs> oh, there you go. Don't want no short, short man. Um, <laughs> so at the age of eleven, at the age of eleven, now he's barely four foot nothing, and um, he finds two other kids. Now these are the kind of kids where I picture, you know, they have like the overalls on maybe bare feet you know and they got like the straw hanging out their their mouth with one of those bucket hats on straw (laughs) um smelling like smelling like a horse's ass Um, (laughs) but no um he finds two other friends that aren't too bright and are just as destructive as he is and they form a quote-unquote gang called themselves the dangerous trio and the dangerous trio the dangerous trio now if you're around 11 years old what do you think today three kids at 11 years old could do like the worst they could do the worst an 11 year old could do mm-hmm. uh, in the south I say probably break somebody's mailbox Terrorize somebody's lawn, something like that. Gabby? <laughs> if I'm thinking way out there, the worst thing a child could do, I, I want to say one of the worst things would be bestiality. <laughs> I was, th- I was like, well, cow tipping, but you're like, nah, nah they're gonna be doing more than cow tipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, they tipping all right. The cows would be like, well, I wish they were cow tipping. <laughs> Let's not do that, boys. Um. No, but this is 1944, and these three went on a rampage sexually assaulting boys. What? Yes. At 11? At 11. (laughs) So we're talking about molesting, touching, 
that kind of stuff. All the way, he claims, um, you know, there was actual sex at that age with the boys. And if the boys, you know, when they finished, they said, you know, we'll beat you to death. You know, they, they had like little bats. Uh, you know, they, they were they weren't messing. They're like, if you tell, we're going to, you know, beat you up. <clears throat> so this dangerous trio was around for three years. And in those three years, while sexually assaulting boys, they are stealing cars. They're robbing homes. And they hire sex workers with the money that they recoup from these houses. What? Sex workers at that age. At that age, from a, from the ages of 11 to 14, they are... You're telling me a woman can be so sick. Well, who knows it's a woman? This is down south. And it's true. And, and it's the 40s. Yes, yeah, I'm with it. This is between oh. 44 and 47. But imagine all these, a lot of these women that were sex workers were doing it to provide for their children. They had no other way. Mm -hmm. So they could have had kids the same age at home and they're going to take money to have sex with children the age of their own. These women probably thought money's money. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. <clears throat> so. Hey, wait, can I, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Have you guys noticed, like, I'm, I'm not trying to make a thing of it, but it just, it leaves me, like, confused. A lot of these kids that go through some crap and become, like, murderers and do crazy, horrible things, what is it with messing around with boys? I don't know. I, I'm thinking it, it's probably a trend that just continues because they were probably touched at some point, too, because I'll get into where most of this information comes from. Oh. But you think about his, and, and remind me later at the end of the story. But, um, but yeah, you gotta think about all those men that were coming through that farm. Not all of them could be, you know. These these remember back then, there's railroads, trains, guys drifting in and out of town all the time. You yeah. don't know where these people have been. You don't know who these people are. And if the mother's allowing them into the house, the farmhouse with six other kids, who knows about his brothers and sisters whether they were touched or not? Yeah, oh, wow. that's true. So, I mean, there's there's just a lot to digest with this one. That's what I'm saying. There's a, so, the police um, were aware of some of these crimes, but didn't know who it was. They they kept a good rap. State nobody talked until until the only way this this dangerous trio was broken up in 1947, Pee Wee and one of the 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 14 year olds would go on to rape the third member's sister. And she, she told her uh, her parents, which her parents beat the ever living snot out of the son, because back then you beat you beat them till they bleed. Yep. And Pee Wee's parents were told, or his mother was told, and also the other kids' parents, also the cops. And uh, before the cops picked up the boys, Pee Wee was beaten severely, and so was the other kid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, they got what they deserved. They sure did. They sure did, and um, it uh, it was it was not it was not good because what happened to the poor fourteen year old uh, that was the sister or the the sister of the four, fourteen year old? I think she was. Don't 15. tell me she got pregnant. No, no. Uh, <clears throat> he broke into his buddy. Well, they broke broke into the buddy's uh, mobile home, and uh, they 
Well, Pee-wee, after they sexually assaulted her, hit her with an axe, which hit her in the side of the head, got stuck in her head, and then the blade, as it was stuck in her head, he pulled the wood part off because it broke and beat her uh, several more times, knocking her out, which he thought he killed her, and then the two took off. So they were already down for the cause to kill at that age. And fortunately for her, she woke up and then obviously told her mom and everything else happened right there. And then he, the two boys were arrested. So she had the axe stuck on her head? She had the blade in her head. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what do you think the penalty for Pee Wee was? Forget the other kid. What do you think Pee Wee got? Because he was the one yielding the, the axe and the rape. He's 11 at this time. Attempted murder. Oh, he's 14? 14. My bad. Uh, I'm going to say they tried him up. No, he got three years. Yep. I'm going to say because he was that young, he got probation. Hmm. No, they were a little stricter back then. Um, They said they sentenced him to hard labor uh, till he was 21. Oh. then, Then he would be let go because he was a minor at the time. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. Um, so he was he was supposed to be in jail for at least seven years. Um, that's supposed to be that's that's about sign. Yes, it is. So now while incarcerated, he claims, and this is uh, this was backed up later, but not to the scale that he claims. He claims that the second night he was in the labor boys labor prison, uh, that he was gang raped several oh, wow. yeah because he was so small and couldn't defend himself and that much of the other bigger boys in the in the uh, in the prison were either you know younger than him older than him but they were all bigger than him so he he said that he was picked on and was also as the time went by the first year uh, he would have to perform sexual acts on others just to keep from getting his butt kicked good yeah so he's getting it back at this time I don't feel sorry for him and despite this all the sexual stuff that was going on he would escape the camp three times oh wow three times yeah Um, he got into several fights Um, he was thrown into solitary confinement each time that he was uh, picked back up Um, he was showing no signs of improvement Anger issues, uh, was not participating in any of the drills, and um, he was recommended to go get deep psychiatric uh, therapy and also be admitted to a psychiatric hospital. So what do you think happens with all that? Psychiatric therapy, huh? That's usually like, isn't in those days, well, I don't know if it was as common, but they would use like electrocution. Yes. Huh. I'm going to guess he got abused at that psychiatric place, too. Do you think that's where he wound up to, Matt? I'm going to say he escaped and didn't even get a chance to get electrocuted. Nope. Better than that. With all that I just listed of all the things where he's not making any improvement, they're all happy birthday. You're 18. You're released. What? Yep. They released him. Wow. Now, see, I'm that's not making improvement. That's where the good southern accent would have came in. Right I, there. <laughs> what? 
Now, how y'all going to do something like that? That don't make no sense at all. See, you're the one making sense down there, Cleveland. The other the other guys are like, yeah, just let him out until he'll be all right. That's like the best I could do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you got to at least try, Todd. I'm trying. Right to, try. I'm trying. My vocal cords are still fried. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Pee Wee would get out, you know, at 18. He would get a job going and, you know, back and forth to tobacco farms he would start uh, stealing some tobacco and start to, um, you know, slang it and, and making his own cigarettes and selling them to older people. Um, in 1952, at the age of 19, he got pissed off at a, at a 17-year-old daughter of uh, one of the tobacco farms that he was working at, of uh, the owner. And uh, he beat her with a shovel because uh, she made fun of his height. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he went on the run. And uh, he would use his power of persuasion uh, to use uh, to uh, invite a 13-year-old girl uh, behind a restaurant, uh, promising her cigarettes while he uh, he raped her, he tied her up and raped her. Did the other girl survive? The other girl survived, yeah. But they were they were already looking for Pee Wee at the time, and couldn't find him. And then he, you know, he's a short dude, so he. Looked a little young in the face and played him off himself off younger than he was. And like I if said, if he needs to be raping girls, he probably short somewhere else too. It could be, yeah. Could be. That's probably where all the anger comes from. He might be uh, a little small in package. <laughs> <laughs> Must not be much of a package. No, sir, not at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, the thirteen-year-old got away. And she contacted the police and a manhunt was because, again, this is a rural area. This is the 50s. You don't want a rapist around. And uh, the, the police eventually caught him two days later. And he got sentenced to nine years in prison now because he's an adult. And to you, me, that's kind of low because he's already got a record when he was young, showed no improvement. And they sent him back out to society. Yeah. Yeah. They're basically that's like proof he shouldn't be out, period. Yeah, I mean, they're basically like, man, this guy is super dangerous. And, uh, you know, uh, I recommend that uh, that he should be in jail for 20 years. Nah, let's let him go. All right. And that's it, you know? <laughs> There's the Southern. There's the hillbilly. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, man, these hillbillies are weak. Johnson came out. Yeah, exactly. There's, I'm, I'm telling you, these doctors are Johnsons, everything, man. This is terrible. Um. So again, he's he's now in a, a uh, you know a state-run prison, and he's starting to get abused sexually and beat up physically, and um, he gets a thought across his mind of you know what the only way <clears throat> I'm going to get any kind of respect is if I take somebody out. I don't care who it is, I'm going to kill somebody. So as a joke, he says it out loud because he's mumbling to himself. And then one of the southern guys was like, well, hey, why don't you take out one of those big guys over there? You know, you tough guy. And he's like, yeah, why not? And the guy's like, I was just kidding. And he, and he already made up his mind. So he catches one of the guys who's one of the big inmates in the prison going to use the restroom. And he's not with one of his, quote unquote, gang member buddies in prison. And uh, Pee Wee makes his way into the restroom with a shank. And he goes right into the stall where the inmate is using the restroom, taking a dump. And uh, he knifes him right in the neck. 
and uh, the, the guy bleeds out in front of everybody in the bathroom. So, what? yeah, so Pee Wee is obviously thrown into solitary confinement. Now, what do you think he got charged with, and how much time do you think he did? Well, he's already serving nine years, so I'm just going to say they just put an additional five years on his sentence. Okay, Cleveland? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey. This, you know what? His punishments have been stupid. So I'm just going to say they probably put him in solitary confinement for like a month and then let him back. Close. They gave him six, six months in solitary. And for the murder of that uh, gel kingpin, they only gave him three more years to his sentence. Hey. I was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is a state run prison. You would think they would have bars and such. I don't know what the bars are made out of, but he would break out of jail three more times. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's the South. They probably was made out of straws. They should have just left him in solitary already. I guess. I mean, come on. This this guy just keeps getting out. And we're talking, you know, a nine-year sentence. Small. That's what I'm saying. He's, pretty, he's really small. He's probably sliding through like, you know, like... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> he's probably going in between the bars since he's so tiny. Exactly. I mean, maybe he just butters up the bars and slides right through. But <laughs> I mean, and the so you can't catch me. <laughs> yeah, he's a greased up deaf guy. Um, but the, but it's so weird because again, every time I mean, you know as well as I know, if you if you it's a federal offense if you freaking uh, escape jail. Oh yeah. You know, even if you're on a work release or whatever, you know, a low um, security prison. Yeah, you would think those guys in there for life at this point already. Yeah, he was. He was. He escaped three more times, and he was then released nine years into his sentence. So the nine years he was originally sentenced for, he served the nine, not the extra three for the murder, not the extra time for the escapes. He got out right at 1961. Wow, so he's nineteen six years. That's twenty five. No, uh, no nine years plus. No nine years plus twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, so he's out twenty eight. Yeah, he still got a lot of energy, a lot of strength, a lot of life ahead of him. That's terrible. Yep. So at this time, he's like, "Well, I need to get out of here." So he keeps keeps getting (laughs) caught in South Carolina. So he goes to Florida, and he starts. He starts to work down there, but working is too much work. So he starts burglarizing places, and he gets into a lot of cat burglaring and and just doing things to make come-ups. He can't do anything legal. It's just not in his blood. Um, so then what creeps up is the feelings of wanting to hurt somebody and kill somebody. <clears throat> so, you know, he finds a 12-year-old, and he rapes her. And uh, he gets caught thankfully by the police now the police they arrest him in florida they he serves uh, or he's in the jail for about a week till he's arraigned he gets up to the second story courthouse but they don't handcuff him and he jumps out a second story window and escapes oh wow sounds like a ted bundy right sounds like him yeah i think he's gone worse than ted bundy at this point yep 
and now now since he left Florida, which Florida is a little bit more upscale than South Carolina, Florida sends the uh, what's what's that called the FBI and what's the other task force back then? National uh, Guards. No, not the National Guard. That's the uh, <laughs> the one where they they, they 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 assist with the police to track down fugitives. The FBI, the uh... the CIA. No, it's the FBI and it's uh. Plus what? Nah, I'll think of it later. <clears throat> anyway, um, I didn't write that in my notes. Damn it. Um, so it takes. We had a brain fart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody will leave a comment and say, "Watch." Yeah, and they'll call us dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Say <laughs> you're not educated. Well, it took in it took in the police a long time to find him. <laughs> oh man. Well, How educated. could they have taken that much time? Well, they took in a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> no, they took they took three years to find him. Finally, three years. Three years. He was working at uh, he so much in three years. Yeah, he in three years he was working in a little machine shop and also a car shop as a drifter working on cars. So he's starting to work oddball jobs to get by. But <clears throat> you know, he had you know local law enforcement and the FBI looking for him for a while. And um, so they found him in 1964. And uh, so that's three years later. He's then 31. And for all that jazz, he does magically five years and was paroled. And while convicted rapist and, and, uh, you know, guy that likes to beat on women and stuff like that and nearly kill a girl he, uh, while in jail, he took classes to be an auto mechanic. So when he got paroled, uh, he knew how to fix a car, you know? And um, so he gets out, gets a good job. He's back in South Carolina, in Prospect, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, the people know him around there as a former in- inmate. And he befriends a, na- a guy named Walter. You have to remember this guy named Walter. Walter. Um, yeah, Walter uh, is not the sharpest tool in the shed either. And uh, he's over there like, hey, Pee-wee, you got into a lot of trouble over the years. And he's like, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know how you stay out of trouble? And he's like, how? He's like, you don't leave any witnesses. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Pee-wee's like. Down south to Goofy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Pee-wee's like, oh, yo, gosh. <laughs> so... <laughs> They went, they went from down south to the Magic Kingdom. Exactly. Well, he was in Florida. You forget. Gotcha. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So, so now the Walt Pete, there too. Yeah. Walt Disney. Um. So, so they they literally, you know, that sticks in Pee Wee's head. You know, Pee Wee's like, I can't leave any witnesses. So we now move on to some pretty crazy stuff that takes place. <clears throat> oh, this is the ugly part. Do we have a date? Uh, we don't have we don't have a date because some of the the, the we have the years because this stuff is just all going to mix together. Oh. Um, this is this is crazy, <clears throat> and the jury is still out about this. And so so you got to follow me on this one. In 1969. Uh, all across the country, you still like we've done many stories on the West Coast and East Coast. You guys have done stories. Hitchhikers, hitchhikers were easy targets for serial killers or guys who wanted to rape women. I mean, men and women were both killed for a long while until almost like the mid nineties. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
in America. Um, so un, unsuspecting, trusting individuals would just get in people's cars, and then you kind of took your your you know picked your poison or or, or took your chances. Um, Pee Wee would call this time in his life the coastal killings. Ugh. Killings, as in plural. Um, he oh, would drive, that label for them. Yeah, he would drive up and down the East Coast on long hauls for his job. And he would pick up uh, vulnerable men and women. And his first victim, he stated, was a 19-year-old blonde hitchhiker who he would tie up and rape in his cab of his vehicle for three days. Oh, wow. Until he strangled her to death, dismembered her, tied weights to the body parts, and threw them in the swamp that was infested by snakes and gators. Oh, dear. Well, they were not going to find her. I know they ain't going to find her. Exactly. And after that first murder, he knew he can get away with it. So then after that, whether it was an urge that came a day later, a week later, a month later, he was making that drive and he was making a murder and he was kidnapping someone, torturing them, raping them, mutilating them. Now, he would get this, mutilate them while they were still alive and tied up. Oh, my God. He would also, while they were tied up, choose to cut a piece, whether it was a nipple, a piece of skin, a Ooh. finger, and eat it right in front of them. Ew! He cannibalized. Whoa. And Over- this was men and women? This is men and women. <clears throat> and he would also, according to him, while they were alive force them to eat some of their body parts or pieces of themselves while promising them that if they did so, he would cut them loose and let them live. All the while, he knew he was either going to shoot them, strangle them, or knife them to death. Oh, he is sick. Oh, this guy's jacked up, man. Yes. This guy is, is something else. And thus, you eat your own body parts. That's why you said if when he was one, he should have drank the whole... He should have finished it off. Yeah. Should have had someone right there going, chug, chug, chug. You uh, know what? That, I mean, yeah, it sounds jacked up because you're talking about a child's life. But if this child's going to grow up to be a monster and cost the life of many people that did not deserve that, then yes. He should have. Do you think that may have affected him, though? Drinking something like that? Did you think it messed him up in a, in a way? I think that had something to do with it along the lines with everything else that he has experienced as a child, you know? Because, you know, on the, on, the other, on the other side, you know, you feel sorry for him what he went through as a kid, but, but the adult of him is like, dang, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, <clears throat> the the way he grew up and was doing all these things and the way he would drive back into Prospect, I haven't even gotten into that. So he's, you know what his vehicle of choice is at this time period? What? A pickup truck? No. A freaking Hearst. You know what that is? Are you serious? He's driving around in a funeral home Hearst. What the? Well, I mean, that would make it easier for him. So. And, And get this. This is what he has in white paint 
written on the back of his hearse, on the window sliding door or the, the door that opens up where you sh- shove the body in. You know what he has written on the back of it? In spray paint? The Undertaker? <laughs> no, see, that would make sense. That would be kind of scary. He he actually wrote, Ahal bodies. Oh, wow. wow. Well, he was literally hauling bodies. Wow. Wow. Nobody ever no. stopped to question that car. No pun intended. Yeah, nobody ever did, Gab. Everyone thought he was just a local weirdo. Stay away from the guy. He dresses weird. He talks weird. He's a short guy. If you leave him alone, he leaves you alone. And everyone just chalked it up as, well, he's just part of the small town charm. He was announcing it to the world. He was pretty much telling the whole world what he's doing. Pretty much, yeah. In plain sight. In plain sight. Wow. So he would be hauling people that he killed on the road. Or or they might be tied up and still alive and he's driving right through town. Or he's driving through another town. Jesus. Right? So he was just not viewed as a threat because of his stature. They thought he had mental issues. Like I said, leave him alone. He'll leave you alone. <sighs> so, so when the not to cut you off. So when the people, when obviously, you know, people are starting to see missing people all over. Don't wouldn't they think to check him out? Like, hey, you know, we're missing my loved one here. A couple of other people are missing a loved one. <laughs> Even though they couldn't find the body because what he was doing to them, shouldn't they have looked and be like, well, he's kind of off. Like, you know, he's kind of... And he says, and he he's saying, hard. you wouldn't think to, let's check him out, right? Well, you would think, right? But the problem is, you're driving up and down the coast, you're going through several cities, several towns, you're picking up random people who are not usually probably from those random towns or cities, they're passing through, they probably just hitched from another car, another train, so you're picking up people that don't belong to that area, so they're never really missing. Mm. Prostitutes are better to be, you know, are more likely if you were picking up prostitutes. That's a good point. You can narrow them down to us to where they worked, but these people you don't. They're drifters. They're drifters. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and then when you're going up and down these roads on the East Coast, he's not dropping them off close to town. He's looking for wooded areas. He's looking for swampy areas. He's dropping them off on places where people just don't go. So he's mm. committing the perfect crimes. Mm. And it's it's sad. I mean, like what you said, yeah, you would love to think that someone would stumble across him or maybe he breaks the law and speeds and a cop decides to investigate, but that never happened. It never happened. So he's literally, this guy is one of, sad to say, but he's the luckiest person when it comes to slipping through the cracks. Absolutely. Until, until... 1970, late 1970, he stops making those long coastal runs. It was the end of his coastal killings. So he begins to stay in town because he got more of a, a more jobs in town. The problem is <clears throat> he would run across a, uh, his 15-year-old niece Janice Kirby and his 14 and her 14-year-old friend Patricia Ellsbury. The two were runaways. And they knew of Pee Wee and the way that he didn't roll with the police. And he, he would have drugs or cigarettes. And they, 14 and 15 year olds, they wanted drugs at the time. Pee Wee was against it because, oh, I could chop up people and eat people, but don't you take drugs. Drugs are bad for you. Okay. <laughs> so, so he got mad. And this is according to Pee Wee. He got mad 
and said, I'm going to punish you two for taking drugs prior to hitting me up for drugs. I'm going to take you to this abandoned house and I'll show you two. I'm going to try to rape my niece and her friend. But Pee Wee was Pee Wee in the pants and he couldn't get it up. And in, out of frustration, he would beat his niece and Patricia, her friend, to death. What? He was trying to rape his niece. Yes. Oh gosh. That's nasty. So the good guy that he is, he put Okay, the body... I have a question. First of all, how did he get access to the niece? Well, the niece came up to, onto him where he was working and asked for some drugs. He saw that they were high, oh. and he decided to take them to a uh, house on which they thought he was going to provide drugs, an abandoned house. But no, to teach them a lesson, he figured I'd just rape them. I'll rape the drugs out of them. And yeah. He, he wound up beating them both to death. Mm-mm-mm. That's yeah. just gross. It's sickening. And, yeah, uh, it is sickening. Oh, dear. So he takes his niece and he goes outside of his uh, tobacco farm, his family's tobacco farm in the backwooded areas and buries his niece there. Now, his niece is good enough for his quote-unquote killing field, which Walter shows up, who's a working hand now on the farm. And he tells Walter about it. And Walter's like, well, I did tell you to get rid of the evidence. And he helps him bury his own niece. But uh, Walter asks him, what are you going to do with the other body? And he's like, well, this body's not fit for here. So he takes the friend and buries the 14-year-old friend. Well, not buries, but throws her body into a septic tank. Oh, man. Which, as you all know, is pretty much, uh, you know, where everyone takes a dump and everything else like that. It's one of them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, and he hauled, like I said, he hauled both bodies in the hearst in, back into town, his niece and that girl. Wow. And, and no one thought to check the car at all. So, <clears throat> um, this it next... It makes me mad how people... <laughs> You know, we hate nosy people, but when situations like this happen, it's like you need the nosy people in order to catch somebody sometimes. Yeah, where is that local, huh, Gab? The one that's in town that's always like, well, he always drives up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. How come he's coming up at 6? Yeah. There's none of that. Where's Pauline? Exactly. (laughs) You need some carrots up in this mug, man. But um, unfortunately, here's another part. It's going to be kind of hard to hear. uh, So... This part kind of really pissed me off. Uh, In March of 1971, so this is just a few months later, he's in a relationship with a woman named Martha Ann Dix. Um, At the time, Pee Wee would get mad at Martha when she began to tell people in town that the new baby that she has that's on the way, she's seven months pregnant, is Pee Wee's. And and people were were making fun of him because they were like, how can you get a woman pregnant, Pee Wee? You're Pee Wee. You know, and um, she's seven months pregnant and has a two-year-old daughter on top of it. So it's not a good look right here, you know, having an illegitimate child. And then she's pregnant and now you got to take care of someone else's kid and that one. Um, So he would pick her up and they would say, hey, uh, I got to take you into town. Um, First, we're going to stop by my um, my farm. I'm going to switch cars. And uh, as they get to the uh, farm, you know, it's uh, it's March. It's getting a little warmer in South Carolina. He offers her a Coke. And uh, she goes to drink the Coke. 
and uh, unfortunately, the coke is laced with acid. Oh. Yeah. She. Uh, oh. Yeah, she drops. She drops to the uh, the ground, and uh, he watches her pretty much take her last breath, like right in front of him. Ate her lungs up. It sure did. It sure did. Ugh. It ate up everything. Yeah, just fried everything. Yeah. Dang. So killed her and the unborn child. And uh, so, <laughs> P- so Pee Wee would take her body to a place outside of uh, his tobacco farm in a little ditch and uh, drop her over there and kind of bury her, cover her up with some swamp stuff and be done with it. <sighs> So uh, how people, I mean, how could people be so cold like that, man? Treating someone's body like it's just trash. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's um, uh, this guy just had no conscience, man. None. Was there anybody looking for her? No. She Nobody was... ever questioned where's the girl who's having his baby or what happened to that. Nope. Wow. What he was the just. Heck? He was just left alone. He literally was that neighbor that nobody went to that house. Yeah, nobody wanted to mess mess with him. So, actually, with with this one, I, I made a mistake. It wasn't she. This woman did not have a two year old. She was just pregnant by him. So she was she was seven months. Oh, pregnant. okay. Because I was going to ask you what happened to the two year old. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. The next one, it's uh, 1973 now. Again, there's gaps in between. Mm-hmm. And there's more killings that we just don't know about that happened in between Dang. the next two years. I'm highlighting the ones that he's going to be eventually charged with. So keep that in mind. Um, Gaskins, um, uh, this one started right here. Gaskins would meet Doreen Hope Dempsey, which she was a former prostitute, but she was getting her life together. She was 22 years old. She had the two-year-old daughter. She was pregnant with a uh, what is it? Six-month-old. Uh, so she was six six-month-old, uh, six months pregnant. Sorry. And, also uh, his. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, this one wasn't. Okay. This one wasn't. Uh, Doreen. Doreen uh, Hope Dempsey had a two-year-old daughter who she was mixed. He was white, uh, or, or she was she was white. Uh, the the father was black. And she had another one on the way that was of a mixed race going to be as well. Um, Gaskins was an overt racist. And, uh, he is he white or black? Gaskins is white. Okay. So he did not like the fact that she had a mixed baby already. And uh, so he lured her out to where he lived um, with promises of work and other stuff or a place to stay. And... Um, well, he wound up um, raping Doreen Hope Dempsey before drowning her in the swamp. Oh, pregnant, and then he would do the same thing to the two-year-old. Oh, oh man, God. the Wait. same thing as in drowning her or the rape also. Both. Oh, Come on. God. And that was later proven as well when when the body was recovered. So that is the thickest hey, thing. Hey man, this man gotta go. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, he would also try to cannibalize Doreen, her, her body. He, he, um, there was uh, missing flesh from her leg, 
can obviously see where it was carved, so he partook what in it. What makes as a well. person crave somebody's a piece of someone's leg to eat? It's like conquering them, I guess. Yep. That yeah, is I mean, so right. gross. Some of these cannibals feel that, that, you know, like the one that you did uh, with Dahmer, you know, he kept the people with him as long as he ate them, you know what I mean? So these people are twisted. Just incredibly twisted. Gosh, man. Dang. He drowned both of them. And he was up. He was upset about the biracial stuff, so... Um, I'm he, not gonna lie, I thought in the beginning he was black. No, this is a white guy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that one's that one's tough. Um, in June of 1974, uh, Gaskins shot his uh, criminal associate Johnny Sellers, who was 36, who owed him money. So these guys were robbing stuff on the side, and um, he pretty much didn't want Johnny to rat on him about his, you know, um, illegal activity, mm-hmm. and um, he would uh, he would shoot him in the back of the head and then uh he found out that johnny his um his ex-girlfriend knew about some of the stuff that they did she was 22 he would crawl into her house and uh you know break in she was 22 years old jesse ruth judy and uh he would stab her to death in the bed wow hey man this man this man just don't really care about nothing he don't feel anything he feels nothing he doesn't he doesn't <clears throat> and um he was uh it was money that supposedly he thought was from when they stole a boat off the bayou uh or not the bayou but the swamp area they stole a swamp boat and he felt that sellers still owed him money so he stole some rings and some other stuff from jesse her house and uh, jesse was just murdered because she knew about their activity so <sighs> that will move us on to 1975 um Silas Varnell, um, what is it, uh, Yates? He was age 45. He was murdered in February of 1975 by having his throat slit in a murder for hire scheme. Now, Gaskins was hired to pull out a murder for just $1,500 back in the day in 1975. Like the guy said, Hey, can you murder this guy, Silas Varnell Yates? He's all, All right. <laughs> he took the job. And, um, it was, uh, he now this is the funniest part though, I'm not laughing at, because the guy was killed, um, the forensics showed that it was a knife, but Gaskin said over and over in his testimony that he used a karate chop to the throat. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> he was pulling a, what's, what's that, uh, karate kid move, you know, like, he wasn't sweeping for the leg, but he was going for that, like, major hit, you know, to the, the throat. Artery. There you go. Tapping the arteries. Yep. He said he killed him straight with a karate chop. It's like there's no southerner that knows a karate chop. No five foot four southerner <laughs> in bare First feet. First of all, he would have to jump to hit his neck. Regardless, yeah, no. that wouldn't cut him. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you he stop. took he took the chop literally. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, Yates was in a dispute with his ex girlfriend Suzanne Kipper Owens. And she and her husband, John Owens, paid Gaskins $1,500 to murder Yates, which he took care of. So with no problem. Did he murder them after? No, he didn't, actually. They, they were later arrested, though, uh, once all this came out. 
so he did not he he made a mistake and left uh uh what is it called um uh, witnesses yeah cuz i would have thought that he that he would have killed them too mhm he didn't he didn't do that though um diane bellamy I'll neely seriously i'll go ahead i'm saying wow he took business seriously yeah pretty much i mean well i mean that's the one thing he didn't the, that one part he didn't had he done it uh, and it stuck to his word or or the things that he was doing you know who knows cuz there's there's a few things that you know He'll get caught here soon, but up until this point, he's getting away with everything. And the next one to fall prey to him is Diane Bellamy Neely. She was 25 years old. She was separated from her husband, Walter. Walter, who was not the Walter. sharpest in the shed. Yeah. His boy's wife. Yeah. And keep in mind, everybody that they're racking up, Pee-wee's bringing back to his area where his makeshift cemetery of bodies and Walter's helping him bury each and every body. Ugh. So this is his ex-girlfriend, so he's like, hey, Walter, you want your girlfriend dead? He's all, mm-hmm, and there you go. That's all it took. Um, so on April 10th, Gaskin stabbed uh, Diane Bellamy uh, to death, and she had a boyfriend at the time who just happened to be with her, 34-year-old uh, Avery Leroy Howard. He shot her, him in the back of the head. So he murdered both of them. Dang. How and, does a little freaking five foot four moron? He I, kill all these people. Like he's just getting away with it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, um, and these two get this. The only reason why they came up on Pee Wee's radar is because Pee Wee, besides Walter not you know not being in favor of his ex wife, um is because he had heard, Walter had heard, that Avery Leroy Howard and Diane Bellamy Neely uh, were going to go to the police to report on Pee-wee allowing teenagers who are underage to have sex in his home and to have alcohol and drugs. Well, not drugs, I'm sorry, alcohol and sex in his house. He was allowing, he was allowing underage teenagers to get there. So Gaskins was like, well, hey, they can't tell on me for doing that. And he murdered both of them. So, although Walter wasn't fond of his ex-wife, that wasn't Walter's first deal to kill her. But, you know, Pee-wee came up and said, "Hey, I'll take care of both of them," and you know, took out both of them without, uh, you know, or actually was going to take care of Diane. But then he heard Avery was a part of it too, and he, so he took out both of them. Huh. So, yeah. So now you have. He helped them. He helped him with the bodies. Yeah, he helped bury the bodies too. Well, isn't Walter technically a witness? Yeah, Walter's just a co-conspirator at this point. He's on it just as much as uh, as uh, Gaskins at this point, Pee-wee. So eventually, I feel like he's going to end up turning the gun on him. I agree. Let's see what happens. As we're uh, winding it down here, Kim Gellican, age 13, uh, she was uh, just one of these kids that wanted to go to his house and have you know, sex with teens or, or alcohol and um, she would actually threaten to say that, hey, I'm going to go to um, the police and, you know, say, you know, say that I was raped and try to extort um, Pee Wee for some money. And uh, Pee Wee wasn't having that. He stabbed her to death without letting her leave the house. So this, oh. this 13 year old was trying to take advantage, but she had no idea how ruthless Pee Wee was and Pee Wee killed her. So she's dead. 
Then Dennis Bellamy, a couple months later, age 27, and his brother, John Henry Knight, only age 15. They were half-brothers. Uh, Diane, Diane Bellamy was their sister. So Bellamy was killed by them. And, um, or, or, you know, his, his, their sister was killed by Peewee. And Dennis is like, hey, you know what? Uh, I got these parts over at the house. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I want to sell to you. And he was, you know, fenced some stuff to them. And, uh, well, as he would do that, and he lured him to the house. Uh, the first brother came by, which was John Henry Knight. And uh, when John Henry came into the woods to look at what Pee Wee had for him, uh, calmly and coolly, Pee Wee brought out a gun and shot him in the back of the head. And Who? then later on that uh, evening... Huh? Who? Shot the brother. Shot the older brother, Dennis Bellamy, in the oh, back of the head. Okay. Then his brother, 15-year-old John Henry, was supposed to meet him up there, which he did an hour later. He said, oh, your brother's back here. So as they were getting close to where he left the body of his brother... He shot him in the back of the head. And Walter came out there immediately and helped him bury the bodies. So he is racking up bodies, man. He is. So nothing to him. Yeah. He just doesn't care, right? Yeah. So the only one that got him on the radar was a couple of people that said the last time they saw Kim Gellican, the thirteen year old, was at Pee Wee's house. And as they were, as the police came over there to investigate, they um, they got access by Walter allowing him when Pee Wee was Pee Wee wasn't home, access to Pee Wee's place. As they looked in there, they found some of the girl's possessions, and so right away they knew that that's the last place she was at. She's likely on the property, and Walter's like, "I ain't saying nothing. I'm loyal to Pee Wee. You can't break me down." And the cops are like, "We're gonna." We're going to give you the death penalty if this girl's dead. I'll tell you where all the bodies are at. <laughs> oh, wow. Seriously? Yeah, he turned on Pee Wee like nothing. Dang, the one who told him, don't leave any witnesses. Yep, he turned on him right away. And uh, he cracked like easier than an elephant stepping on an egg. He told, he showed the uh, police each body that he buried him in his makeshift cemetery where they buried the bodies. Uh-huh. They found the baby. They found everything. And the police were just blown away. Uh, the first night of the search, they found the three bodies. Well, they found three of the bodies, and then they found three the next day. And then they would find three more the next day, and so on and so on. Um, you know, and so fast forward to 1976, and the testimony, Walter's just, again, letting it all out in, in, in court. He turned state's witness. He talks about hearing about the coastal killings. And so police start going up and down the coast looking for bodies. And they find remains up and down. Dang. But, but they can't find any kind of bullets, nothing that can... It could be anybody. It could be any person that killed them. So what the police figure, and this kind of sucks. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but instead of charging him with those the bodies and the remains that they find along the coast they kind of just write those off and they just were like okay whatever's on his property let's charge him for those damn yeah that's stupid because even if you had no evidence obviously he was telling Walter and if you found remains then you know the story's true how else would he know about all that unless he did it exactly 
but his lawyer would argue, look, how do you know Pee Wee was down there at the time? Where's your evidence? That could be another serial killer. This could be completely random. And the police were like, you know what? We're, it's already going to cost this, the state so much money to fight this case. Let's just go with what he's got on his property. That's That was their mentality. I mean, that was the cheap way, cheaper way out, but still, I mean, you know, and then, but then back then they didn't have forensic, uh, you know, like we do now. So I guess I don't like it, but it makes sense to them. I see. Yeah. And, oh, and here, it don't make sense to me. Like, well, here, even here, if I was the prosecutor, that would make no sense to me. Exactly. It, it, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense the way that they went about doing it, but there's some twists that come up here. Uh-oh. So in 1976, Walter took the plea and got life in prison. He stayed away from getting the death penalty. Um, Pee Wee got the death penalty. However, the same time he got the death penalty, death the death penalty in South Carolina was abolished. They said it was inhumane. And so Pee Wee felt great. He's like, all right, well, I get to stay in prison. Um, I get three square meals a day. I could take a bath you know, every other day or, you know, cause he would take one every other week. Um, well, they decided, they decided, okay. Um, you know, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to talk about my coastal killings because obviously I've already been charged. I want to add to my resume. I want to add to the things that I've done, you know? <clears throat> and, um, so he starts saying that he, um, had kidnapped this person, kidnapped that person. He could remember some of the people that were, you know, by name that he picked up on the road. He says that, um, you know, you guys charged me for 15 counts of murder. And yes, I murdered those 15, but uh, I think my number is around 100. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So the police are like, okay, well, let's tell us what's going on here. And he's like, well, I'm writing a book. You can find out, you know, cause back then they hadn't had the law yet where you can't profit off your, your killings or murders or stuff like that. Uh-huh. So he's starting to write a, write a book. And, um, you know, he's, he has someone writing it for him, visiting him in prison. And this guy is, you know, then he's getting, he's bragging to other inmates and he's, you know, again, uh, putting his name out there and, uh, they find some, um, a little in 1978, they find a little loophole uh, in some of the stuff that they've already charged him with, some stuff that they could charge him with extra to add on to him, and to where they can get the stipulation of the death penalty reinstated, which they did in 1978. South Carolina said, "You know what? Killing people and killing inmates isn't all that bad after all." So okay. now, because of his big mouth, he got himself uh, with a Supreme Court's help back into a death sentence. Good. Yeah, so it was restored in 1978. Now, that's not the end of the story. What? That's not the end of the story. We have two more twists. Please don't tell me he escapes again this morning. How about to say? Please don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have you have uh you have two more things that happen. So as he's now on death row, he's in jail with a man named Rud- Rudolf Tyner. Who's age twenty three? I totally thought you say Rudolph. <laughs> the red nosed reindeer. Oh, there's a Rudolph right there. Okay. <laughs> this guy. Uh, no, she thought you were gonna say Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the red nose might uh, might come into play here, with along with something else to turn red. 
Yeah, Runoff was tw- 23 years old on death road, and he was in the same kind of um, prison, in the same cell area, um, in 1978. Um, so right when the death sentence was upheld, and he's going to be facing death, Rudolf Tyner, at some point. At some point, Pee Wee's going to be facing murder. Uh, we fast forward to uh, September 12th, 1982. Uh, Tyner was appealing his own death sentence at this point. He had been convicting, convicted of uh, a robbery at a Merle's outlet store. It's a convenience store in the South. He oh. killed the owners of the store, Bill and Myrtle Moon, in March of uh, 1978. Moon's son, Tony Simo, uh, sounds like an Italian, pissed off Italian. <laughs> um, he hired Gaskins for just $2,000 to kill Rudolf Tyner. Oh, wow. Now, how are you going to kill someone in prison, especially death row, when you're kind of secluded and, uh, you know... Like, like you don't have too much access to one another. Um, dang, that is a good question. Slip him something. Okay, Gabby. Ooh. I really don't have a clue. Probably, probably, uh, tip one of the guards and have him do it. Okay. Well, <clears throat> here's what happened. So, Tony Simo came up with an idea uh, to kill Tyner because Tyner uh, was only a couple cells over from Gaskin's cell. Mm-hmm. So, they went to meet up at, uh, he came up with a plan and he, he went over to, the, you know, when you meet up somebody, when you get like a visit, a visitation, mm-hmm. they wore the same shoes. And during the visitation, Simo switched shoes with Gaskin's. Now, in the shoes, in the heels, were hidden some C4 explosive powder and some wire and a plug. Oh, okay. When they switched the shoes, um, he basically had a homemade bomb in those shoes, like the, the kit to make a bomb. Yeah. And um, so what happened was Gaskins in the next two weeks would befriend Tyner and would say, hey, man, I smuggled in this little radio. I need you to, uh, it's a radio speaker. We can hear the game. I'm going to plug it in, when, you know, see if it works for me, you know, because he's a couple cells down. So it has a long wire. He made it. Uh, he goes to uh, pass the radio to the next inmate. The next inmate slides it on the floor. You know how they do the rope thing in prison? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those locked mm-hmm. up rod type things or whatever those shows? Pass it on to the next person. They yes. pass it. Yes. So they were passing it on by a string in the cord. And And nobody saw it. Nobody saw it, dude. Nobody (laughs) saw it. Yet, yet, what happened is he goes, he whispers down the the hall, put it to your ear, see if you can hear the sound. I'm going to tune into the radio station right now. When he did, though, he takes the plug. As soon as the plug makes the contact with the outlet, it explodes the speaker, and the speaker is right next to dude to Tyner's hand and ear. The, the C four is so so powerful, it blows his hand and his head completely off. God. Oh dear! Yes, he blows Tyner to bits. Dang! Yes. So the 
The bomb only killed Tyner, and when they came into the cell and saw the cord that was still linked up with with Gaskins, they couldn't believe that he was the one that did it. They wound up arresting Simo for conspiracy to, to commit murder, in which he did. And, uh, you know, Gaskins, I mean, what else are you going to charge this douchebag with? Yeah, I mean, he's already getting death. Yeah. So, um, in 1992, he would have to wait till 1992 um, to basically face his maker. And um, right before he was going to be led to the electric chair, he slid his wrist. Oh. However, uh, they were able to save him and bandage him up and then lead him to the electric chair to which he was begging, like, uh, you know what, before his eyes blew out of his sockets. Oh, now he's begging to be saved. Yes. Yes. Wow. He was, uh, he was... Uh, basically electrocuted that in uh, in 1992. Uh, his book, the other twist is his book was written by author Wilton Earl. It's called The Final Truth by Pee Wee Gaskins. It's his autobiography. There is some more gruesome stuff that I couldn't even touch that's in there. He actually describes most, if not all, of his hundred murders, according to him. That book in really really crappy condition and uh, paperback is going for $150 it's going as high as $3,000 in mint condition there's very few copies floating around out there what? yeah so, are you serious? yeah that, that book is still out there right there so but he was uh, actually he was electrocuted September 6th 1991 how old was he when he, he got electrocuted? 91 let's see 33 uh, he was 58 Dang. Yeah. Dang. And that's the story of one Pee Wee Gaskins. I ain't gonna lie, man. This guy is probably just as worse, if not worse, than Ted Bundy. I mean, they still say that there's bodies that have not been uncovered by Bundy, and I'm pretty sure the same thing with this guy. I don't know if he's hit that many. But I would have to say it's got to be at least 50. At least. You think he ain't lying when he said 100? He he possibly could have gotten away with it, man, with all the veritables. And, and, and when he drove up and down the East Coast, it wasn't as populated as it is today. And there's not cameras out there. And he was picking up drifters. And he detailed, apparently to the book, a lot of you know gruesome scenes and things that he did to random people like in great detail so either he's got like a really ter- like terrible mindset of or a way of thinking about murder or or um, you know good way to describe murder or he actually did those things i think he did i mean it's a lot of years what's possible i mean like what was the guy that just died recently and he claimed to have killed 100 prostitutes across the nation the the black gentleman I forgot his name well now he's not a gentleman but you know no yeah, yeah. oh, I see I I seen this I, I seen that report on the news um Dan what's his name oh, let me look it up yeah I'm, I'm blank but I, yeah but you're probably I, I think he did I think he probably did kill a hundred people yep I think so and I I think there's the possibility that there's even more if this guy had really like he had no feeling for anything and he just kill people like it's nothing 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. You have to have more. There it is. Samuel Little, the serial killer. He, he, yeah, he, yeah, Samuel Little. He confessed to 93 murders. Wow. So, I mean, this... If this guy did it in a day and age where, you know, the 70s onward, you know, and then you have this guy, you know, who was... He committed 15. I don't think he went... Like, some of those, as I was ex- describing them, went months to a year to two years with nothing in between. I can't think he went without doing anything in between those the time. If he's willing to rape his niece and kill her and rape a two-year-old just because he's biracial, I, I believe he's definitely killed about a hundred people because he he had no he had no kind of regards of I anybody. Mean, as sick as he was and all the disgusting things he did, I still on the the worst one is the two-year-old. You cannot rape a two-year-old. That's a baby. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the sickest of all of them. Yep. I mean, it's I think this bastard deserved worse. I mean, he His got electrocuted. Death was not justice. He got electrocuted. I don't care. It's not like he got the needle. How quickly do you die being electrocuted? You don't. You tort. You get a little torture. That ain't enough for everything he did. So you talking about? Wait. For the, the two-year-old's rape alone, off of his wing. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think you have him. You, I think you have him eat his wing or something, or, or have. Oh, absolutely. Off of his wing. Yep. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with his balls make him eat him, and then his wing slowly make him eat that too. Or have it like a, a dog or someone eat it in front of him or something, dude. Like, like I mean, come on. the stuff that he like again. You know, I probably got some people on this one because it's it's not, I mean, it's hard it's hard to listen to, but like I said, there's stuff in that book I haven't read it that people are like, man, it's like undescribable. It's a terrible book. Like I can't believe it's still out there because it's not being printed out anymore. But the people that did buy the copies are holding on to them because they're worth a lot. And it's like, like to get into the mind of a serial killer. That's his his own words. It's like you're. Basically, getting what those you know um, profile you know that profiler show, it's mm-hmm. almost like people said that you're sitting down, interviewing him because the guy the way the guy wrote it and it's like, dude, I don't know if I could read a chapter or two of that because then you don't want to get too twisted in the head thinking about all the crap that he did, what he was thinking at the time. It's like, dude, that guy was yeah. nuts. I agree. That guy was nuts. Yeah, it was. I mean, this is definitely one of the, like, when I came across Pee-wee, I was like, dude, there's no way. Like, because we've, it seemed like as we were ending the year, whether you guys were doing cases or I was doing cases, they were ramping up, like, getting more and more, like, sickening and, like, more and more, like, details of murders and, and all the detestable things these people were doing. And then I'm like, this one can't be as bad as the next one. It's like someone wrote to us, they're like, man, these are getting worse and worse. It's like, yeah, this one, like, jumped off the scale when I was like, holy crap. This guy's responsible for a bunch of t- tortures, murders, kidnaps. You right. wouldn't think with a name like Pee Wee, he would be capable of doing these things, but jeez. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I hadn't heard about this guy until he came across my radar, dude. So I'm, I hadn't yeah. heard about him Me either. Neither. Yep. Pee Wee, we knew was big adventure, but yeah, rode a big red bike and you know <laughs> had fun in a what is it called? He got caught for being in a. Uh, Don't do it, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> The movie. Doing what? 
at the movie theater. He got talk. He got caught uh, being himself. Really? Well, no, he he was he was pleasing himself. Yeah, he was um he was he's wanker spankering in the uh, movie theater. He was messing with his peewee. <laughs> peewee liked his peewee, huh? Yeah, man. You know, but dang, no lie, man. This this. You brought in 2023 with a horrible one, man. Yeah, this one was not. That was a sick introduction to the year, Todd. Sorry. (laughs) How dare you, you, sir? I couldn't even lighten up as I couldn't even lighten it up as much as I wanted to, man. My voice is shot still. Yeah, we were definitely taken back. (laughs) By by the way, that's my New Year's resolution: is to get that woman on live with us. (laughs) Great. I'll be like, I want you to pre- uh, press a buzzer every time we freaking say something wrong, you know, any kind of kind of grammar issue. Let it go, Todd. Pronunciation, please. Let us know with your college education how wrong we really are. Let it go, Todd. <laughs> I can't. She's all. Let me give you my resume. I went to the school in pristine Florida. I'm a college educated English major, and you, sir. Cannot talk the English language. Shut up. <laughs> that this ain't a podcast where we're teaching. <laughs> yes. Let it go, Todd. I'm trying. That's my New Year's resolution, too. Let it go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story for us, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening in. And we're going to wrap it up before we do. Real quickly, just let you guys know where you can find us again. Go to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. And then you can uh, listen to us or watch us or follow us on those pages. And if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podbine. And also for those listening to us outside of the U.S., Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Well, that's it, y'all. Well, we hope y'all had a good one. This has been your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. All right.